0: Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing. And we hope you can be blessed by this message. We're continuing our series this morning, Unchanging God in an Ever-Changing World. Praise the Lord. If you missed last week's message, we encourage you to go back. I believe it'll be an inspiration, and encouragement to you about how God sees God sees you. Amen? So uh, go back and check that either on our YouTube channel or on our Facebook page, and I believe it will be a blessing to you. Today, we're talking about the fact that God hears you. God hears you. You know, two psychiatrists met at their 20th college reunion, and one looked youthful and vibrant, while the other one looked aged and withered and worried. So The the older looking psychiatrist asked the younger one, what's your secret? And and he went on to say, listening to other people's problems every day, all day long, for years on end, has made an old man out of me. The younger looking psychiatrist shrugged his shoulders and said, who listens? (laughs) So hey, if you're going to a a psychologist or a therapist, They may not be listening to you, amen? But have you ever been talking to someone and you could just tell they weren't listening? It's frustrating, right? And have you ever prayed to God and felt like he wasn't listening? Or that if he heard you, he wasn't granting your request? I read the testimony of a minister and his wife who were overjoyed to learn that they were pregnant only to find out that the first, in the first sonogram that something was wrong with their baby. They prayed fervently for God to heal the baby and they asked many others in their church to pray as well. Three weeks later at a follow-up sonogram, the doctor said to them, I am sorry to tell you, but there is no heartbeat. And the news hit them like a ton of bricks. The minister said, We prayed in faith. We knew that God was all powerful and we were confident that he could heal our baby because there is nothing that God cannot do. He said, that's what I've preached all these years. That's what I believed. But why hadn't God healed our baby? Maybe somehow, he said, God just did not hear our prayers. As Christians, We believe that God has invited us to pray. God has invited us to bring all of our needs to him, saying, cast all of your cares upon me because I care for you. And he has promised time and again in his word to answer our prayers. I mean, why would he invite us to pray and then not listen? How do we know when God hears us? And if he hears us, Why does it not always feel like he is answering, like he is working? And these are questions that we probably have all faced at some point during our faith walk when we have grappled with the dilemma of seemingly, I say seemingly, unanswered prayers. Because as I said last week in the message, God sees what we don't see. And sometimes that's why he doesn't answer the way that we expect it. Because we see the moment, he sees the end. We see the seen, what is visible, and he sees the unseen, amen? So sometimes it seems to us, by what we see, that he is not answering. But that doesn't mean that he is not responding. So today we want to look at what the scripture teaches us about God hearing our prayers. As I said, God invites us to pray about everything, not just the big stuff, but everything that concerns us. And we see this invitation repeatedly in Scripture. One of my favorites is Jeremiah 33, verses 2 and 3, and it says, this is what the Lord says, he who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it, the Lord is his name. Boy, that's some credentials, right? If you're going to call on anybody, you got to make sure they have the right credentials, right? If you're going to go to the doctor, you want to make sure they're board certified. You want to see their reviews. If you're going to go to a psychologist, you want to make sure they have the right certifications. Amen. God lays out his certifications for us right here. Isn't that wonderful? He says he is the God who made the earth, who formed it and established. Folks, if he can create all of this out of nothing, then there's absolutely nothing that he cannot do. Right? And then he goes on to say in verse 3, Call to me and I May answer you? I will answer you and tell, or some versions say show, show you great and unsearchable things you do not know. You know, God is an unchanging God. So this invitation that he gave through the prophet Jeremiah centuries ago is still his invitation to us today. Wherever we are, Whatever our situation, whatever the need, whatever the problem, we can pray to God. We can pray to God whenever we want, 24-7. It's not like the doctor that you have to make an appointment, amen? You can call on the Lord at any time, and he promises to answer. He promises to answer. But what makes this invitation so incredible is the one who invites us a call on him. You know, in ancient times, as in the story of Esther, if someone came to, uh, to, uh, into the presence of a king who was not invited, they could be instantly executed. That's why Esther feared going before the king to intercede on behalf of the people of Israel. But we have 24 7 access to the king of the universe the lord of heaven and earth amen the one who created all things he is the one who invites us to call on him what an incredible privilege that we have direct access to the king of kings amen If you had a a problem regarding uh, the government or uh, something that was regarding uh, civil uh, issues and you picked up the phone and you tried to call the president, do you think you'd get through? I'm certain you wouldn't, amen, unless you had some prestigious position or title. But an ordinary person like you and I, we wouldn't get through. But the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he says, you've got a direct line. Call me up anytime and I will answer you. And prayer is not merely a command to be obeyed or a duty to be fulfilled. It is an invitation from the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth, our loving heavenly father who says the door of heaven is always open to you through the blood of Christ. And he invites us to come to him at any time, for any reason, with any need, and he promises to hear and to answer us. Amen? And you don't, I don't have any more access than you have to the throne of God. My prayers don't carry any more weight than your prayers do. We have the same access through the blood of Jesus Christ. There, there is a, a family member that, um, you know, she's seeking but doesn't really know the Lord, is not really born again. And so she always asks for prayer. And she'll say, because I know God hears your prayers. And I'll say, but God hears your prayers too. And she says, no, you have a special connection with God. <laughs> and I try to tell her, no, <laughs> we can all have the same connection with God. Amen. Well, we all have the same access through the blood of Jesus Christ. And God not only invites us to pray, but he helps us to pray with the promise to answer, with the promise to answer. He says, call upon me and I will answer you and tell, or like I said, other versions say, show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. His invitation to pray includes the assurance that he will hear and answer us. The word translated tell in the Hebrew is narad and it means to stand boldly out front, to manifest, to expose, to show forth. And so God says, when we pray, I will show up and I will show off on your behalf. He says, I will show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Great speaks of the number, intensity, and importance. And the word unsearchable means things that are fenced off or unreachable to you, things that you think are impossible, but when you pray, I will do the impossible. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. And with such a promise, it should motivate us to pray about everything, and you know what this is not a one time promise in scripture? We read it repeatedly through scripture. In Psalm 50 verse 15 he says, "Then call upon me when you are in trouble and I will rescue you and I and you will give me glory." I'm going to move in such a way that you're going to praise me," he's saying. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So here's that invitation that we can come boldly into the very throne room of heaven and we can make our needs known unto him with the expectancy that he will help us. And then I quoted earlier from 1 Peter 5.7 where it says, cast all of your cares upon him for he cares for you, And these are just a few of the verses where God promises us the answer to our prayers. Isn't that incredible? The all-knowing, all-powerful God of the universe invites us to come confidently into his presence at any time, with any need, expecting that he cares about us and he will help us. And you know, when we hear that, Inside of us, we say amen, and in the moment, we wholeheartedly believe it, but with all these wonderful promises, why does it sometimes seem that God doesn't hear us? Have you ever felt that way? Can be honest, I've felt that way. It's like, God, why aren't you listening? Why aren't you doing something, amen? But one of the answers to that is that God encourages us to avoid prayer blockers. Do you know that there's things that can block our prayers from being answered, amen? Have you ever blocked a caller on your phone? Yeah, y'all can identify with that. Usually when you block somebody, there's a reason. There's a reason, Uh, they've done something to make you block them. Maybe they're stalking you, maybe they're pestering you, maybe they're trying to sell you something, maybe they've been rude and nasty to you, whatever it is, but there's a reason that you block them. Or maybe you don't know them, so you block them because they've been trying to call you, right? In the same way, why would God invite us to pray and then not answer? Well, maybe something is blocking our prayer. Now, of course, last week in the message, we we saw that there are other factors that may make us feel that God is not answering. You know, like he sees things that we don't see. He sees the long term, we just see the moment. So those are some things, some factors that can make us feel as though God is not hearing, that God is not answering. But that's not always the case. Sometimes there are things in our life that may be blocking the answer. And God wants to help us remove any blockages that may be preventing him from hearing and answering our prayers. So he tells us in his word what can block our prayers. First, he tells us unconfessed sin in our heart or in our life can block our prayers. In Psalm 66:18, 18, he said, If I had cherished sin in my heart, or some versions say harbored or held, if I had held sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened would not have listened. He's not talking about the ordinary everyday struggle against sin and temptation that every believer experiences and we resist and we may fall, but we humble ourselves. No, this speaks of someone who is willfully harboring or holding on to or loving sin in our heart. And and if it doesn't, this kind of sin, it doesn't have to be something sordid like sexual immorality or cheating on your wife, having sex with somebody. It doesn't have to be like that. For the rich young ruler, his sin was the love of money. You see? We can love sin or we can love God, but we can't love both. And loving sin will block our prayers from being heard. In Psalm 59 verses one and two, the scripture says, listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor his ear too deaf to hear your call. It is your sins that have cut you off from God because of your sins, He has turned away and will not listen anymore. Now, I know that that doesn't speak to any of us here, hallelujah, because we are walking in righteousness and obedience and we have a pure heart. And we are, but God is speaking to somebody, maybe at another chur- <coughs> church, <coughs> hallelujah. But God plainly tells us that sin will block our prayers from being heard. So whenever we're praying and not seeing an answer, a good place to start is to pray a prayer for God to search our heart and to pray a prayer of repentance for any sin that may be in our life that we may not even be aware of, but we're holding on to it. Amen. So that's always a good place to start if you've been praying, praying, praying and the answer's not coming through. Start with our own heart, amen? Rather than blame God, start with our own heart. All right, another reason that our prayers may be blocked, unbelief. Unbelief in our heart can block our prayers from being answered. You know, there was an occasion in, in the Gospels where Jesus went to his hometown now, these folks, they had seen him running around in diapers. They had seen him, you know, playing with his friends. They had seen him grow up as a child. And so he had become just commonplace to them, right? But now, as an adult, he's revealing himself as the Son of God, as the Messiah. So he comes to Nazareth and, and, and he is in the synagogue and he quotes from Isaiah 61 and he says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me for he has anointed me to preach the good news. He has anointed me to set free the captive and, and to give sight to the blind. And, and he quotes this prophetic passage about him being the Messiah. And he says, today, this promise is fulfilled in your midst. He's saying, I'm the Messiah I'm the Savior. I'm the one that's anointed by God to do miracles among you. And yet, the Bible tells us that he could not do many mighty miracles in Nazareth. Why? Because of their unbelief. (laughs) They were like, who are you to say you're the Messiah? You're that little snotty-nosed kid that we saw running around wearing diapers going, you can't be the Messiah. And so they had Unbelief. And it stopped Jesus from being able to work miracles in their midst. You know, cell phone coverage is a lot better today than it used to be, but I used to travel a lot as an evangelist and preach conferences and camp meetings and what have you, all across the United States. And and you know, in the early days of cell phones, the coverage was not that good. And there were times when I would have difficulty finding reception and my calls would drop, or they would fail to connect, or I would get that message out of network range. Any of you ever remember that? Amen, out of network range. And, and, and it was like you couldn't connect. You couldn't get your call through. Unbelief can cause our prayers to be dropped. Amen, they can disconnect our prayers. You know, even most of Jesus' own family did not believe in him during his earthly ministry. It wasn't until after his death and resurrection that they believed. They just thought, he's crazy. This is, this is our brother saying he's the Messiah. That can't be. He's nuts. It was not until after his resurrection that they believed. And one of his brothers was named James. And perhaps this, conversation, this conversion from unbelief to belief is the reason that James later wrote In James 1, 6, and 7, when you ask or when you pray, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. So one minute you're like, Lord, I pray and I believe it and I declare it in Jesus' name and the next minute you're like, oh my goodness, this thing is going to destroy me. I I don't know what I'm going to do. Have you ever felt that? Amen. You're being tossed back and forth. Why? Because there's some unbelief there's some doubt that's there and he says in verse 7 that person should not expect to receive anything from the lord so unbelief can block our prayers from being heard and answered and and i want you to get to, to understand that jesus Understands and welcomes honest doubts. Like the father who brought his demon-possessed son to Jesus, and the disciples couldn't cast out the demon. And so uh, Jesus said, You know what, what's the matter with you? And the man said, um, Jesus, I believe. Help my unbelief. And so there was an honest, sincere seeking. Uh, Doubt that was in that man's heart, right? And, and, And John the Baptist also experienced this. We touched on this last week that when John was out free and he was preaching and he saw Jesus, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Sometime later, John is arrested and he's facing execution for preaching. And what does he do now? He sends messengers to Jesus with the question, Are you the one, or should we look for another? But it was a sincere question. It was a sincere seeking. And Jesus understands that because we all grapple with our times of doubts and question, and Jesus welcomes us when we bring that to him and say, Lord, I'm struggling right now to believe. I'm struggling to have faith right now. Help my unbelief. Jesus welcomes that, amen? But a stubbornly persisting unbelief like the Pharisees, that's, A blockage because they saw all the miracles of Jesus and they still refused to believe. That can cause a blockage, amen? Just like them, they were cut off from God. We need to to bring our doubts. We need to bring our unbelief. We need to bring our questions to the Lord and say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. God, I really want to trust you. I really want to have faith in you, but I'm struggling right now. Help me, and the Lord welcomes that. And the Lord will help you. He will give you what you need to strengthen your faith. It might be a word of encouragement through a brother or sister in Christ. He might give you a word of encouragement through uh, the preaching of his word, something that speaks to what you're struggling with. He may give you a word of encouragement through a prophetic word that comes forth in the body of Christ. But he'll give you what you need to encourage and strengthen your faith. He welcomes when we bring those doubts and questions to him. Now thirdly, God inspires us to a stronger prayer connection. There's a powerful example of a man who knew how to pray prayers that God heard and answered in the Old Testament. His name was King Hezekiah and God inspired two of his prayers and, and the powerful answers to be recorded for us in scripture to help us, to help our prayers that we may be able to pray prayers that God hears and answers. In 2 Kings 18, the king of Assyria sent a letter threatening to invade and destroy Jerusalem. And King Hezekiah knew that the people of Israel, the people in Jerusalem, they were no match for the armies of Assyria. And so what did Hezekiah do? When he got this letter, did he just sit around and fear and have a pity party and say, oh no, we're gonna be destroyed, I don't know. No, the Bible says that when he received the letter from the messengers and read it, he went up to the temple of the Lord and he spread it out before the Lord. And he basically said, we're your people, so this is your problem, God. Verse 15 says, and Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim. You alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. He's saying, God, there's nothing you can't do. The armies of Assyria may be too big for us, but you are bigger than the armies of Assyria. Amen? And he had confidence to turn to God for help because he lived close to God. God heard and answered Hezekiah's prayer that night, and God sent an angel through the armies of Assyria and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. One angel, amen. And God commands an army of angels, amen. But it only took one angel to wipe out the Assyrian army. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. Now the second prayer of Hezekiah that we want to look at is when Hezekiah got deadly sick and the prophet Isaiah told Hezekiah and Hezekiah was only 39 years old at that time the prophet Isaiah said get your affairs in order you are about to die but he told him to pray because God make a difference. And so Hezekiah immediately began to cry out to God in prayer. And he wept bitterly before the Lord. And you know what? God heard and answered his prayer. And God extended his life another 15 years. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. Folks, that terminal diagnosis that the doctor gives, that's not the last word. Amen? Whatever the doctor says, that is not the last word. God has the last word. Hallelujah. And we need to trust and believe in the Lord. God heard and answered both of Hezekiah's prayers, and we learn a lot from Hezekiah. First, our proximity to God is a key element in praying prayers that God hears. How close we live to God is an essential factor in praying prayers that God hears proximity speaks of closeness it speaks of the intimacy of our relationship with God and listen to this in 2nd Kings 18 verses 5 and 6 it says Hezekiah trusted in the Lord the God of Israel there was no one like him among all the kings of Judah either before him or after him he was the most godly most righteous king of Judah verse 6 he held fast he held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses. Now, the key words in this verse I want us to look at in verse six he held fast to the Lord. The Hebrew word there means to cling, to stick close to, to pursue closely. He stuck to God like super glue. Amen? Amen? That's how Hezekiah lived. True faith will cause us to stick to God like superglue with all that is within us, regardless of our trials or our sufferings, amen? And it is that closeness, it is that adherence to God that led Hezekiah to a powerful prayer life. Hezekiah prayed prayers that God heard and answered. If you are far from God, you cannot have the confidence that your prayers will be heard and answered. It's kind of like I described earlier, before cell cell networks were um, as widespread as they are now, and you would get that out-of-range signal? If you're living far from God, you may just get an out-of-range signal, amen? Because you're not in close proximity to God. So if you're far from God, you can't have the confidence that your prayers will be heard and answered. Just think, if you have kids and they're in another room And they're raising their voice to get your attention and say something to you because they need you or they need something from you. But you can't make out what they're hearing. All you hear is noise. You can't make out what they're hearing. But they don't want to leave what they're doing to come and tell you what they need because they're on social media or they're playing video games or whatever it may be. And and, and they're distracted, and and they don't want to leave what they're doing to draw close to you and speak to you face-to-face. So you can't hear and understand what they're saying, and subsequently, you can't do what they need you to do. Amen? That's how some of us are with God. We live a very distracted life. We spend... Four to six hours on social media a day, which is what the average American spends. But we don't have time to pray. But we don't have time to go to church. We don't have time to read the word. But then trial hits and we're like, I need you, God. I need you, God. Help me, God. And he says, but you're out of range. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, often we're distracted by other things in life that we hold important to us. And and, and so we allow those things to keep us away from that close walk with God. Oh, we want God's help when we're in trouble and we pray. But if we're not sticking close to him in our day-to-day life, then we can't expect our prayers to be answered. It's awful quiet in here. Hallelujah. There's some folks through the years of ministry, no one here, I'm sure, through the years of ministry that you'll hardly see them in church. But then they go through a trial and they're here every Sunday and they're coming to the altar and they're calling, Pastor, please pray for me. And then once the trial passes, they ghost you, they ghost the church, they ghost God, they're gone. They're not living close to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And even though there are times that God in his mercy answers the cry of a sinner, a backslider, a lukewarm Christian because he is merciful. When you're living in that state at a distance from God, you cannot pray boldly and expectantly because you do not have a guarantee that he will answer. The Bible says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person, a righteous person is someone that's walking in God, that's living right, amen? The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. The way we live has a lot to do with whether our prayers are answered. So only when we are living in close proximity to God and walking in obedience to his ways can we have that confidence That yes, God, you will hear and you will answer me. Our posture before God is also a key element in praying prayers that God hears. And I'm not talking about our physical posture. I'm talking about the posture of our soul. In both instances that Hezekiah faced, it brought brokenness in in his life. And interestingly, uh, we sang a song about brokenness earlier, and and, and God is drawn to our brokenness. In facing the Assyrian threat, Hezekiah knew that there is no way that that Jerusalem and the people of Judah could withstand an attack of such a massive army they knew that they would be destroyed and so he came to God in a state of brokenness saying God we can't Lord this threat is just too much for us we can't but Lord I'm trusting that you can amen and then when it came to his health there's nothing that will break you more than when your health is attacked amen That'll break you. And so when, when, when his health was attacked and he was facing death, there was nothing humanly that he could do to change his outcome. There was no doctor, there was no medicine, there was no procedure that would be able to change his outcome. So in brokenness, he humbled himself before God and he began to cry out to God until God answered him. He postured himself before God in brokenness and humility. Just like when he took the letter of a king of Assyria's threat into the temple and he spread it out before God and he prayed. That was was a, a sign of his brokenness and saying, God, this is the threat. God, it's terrible. It's too much for us, God, but I'm putting it in your hands. I'm trusting you. When Isaiah told him about his imminent death, The scripture says he turned to the wall and he wept bitterly. That's brokenness. And he cried out to God. Brokenness brings humility that draws us to dependency on God. In Psalm 34, 18, and I referenced this earlier in our prayer time, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit if your heart is broken today, if you feel crushed by the weight of your circumstances, be encouraged that God is near and that God wants to save, God wants to rescue you, God wants to help you. In 1 Peter 5, 5, it says, God opposes the proud, but he shows favor or gives grace to the humble. When we come in brokenness before God, when we humble ourselves before God, and we say, Lord, I'm casting myself on your mercy, I'm depending completely upon you and you alone, that is that humble brokenness to which God is attracted. Our brokenness and humility and calling upon God is like a magnet to which God is attracted. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. It's only when we come before him in humble brokenness that we can be assured that he will hear us and he will help us. Another factor, our perspective is a key element in praying prayers that God hears. In 2 Kings 19.15, in Hezekiah's prayer, he acknowledged God as the all-powerful Lord over all. Basically saying, I trust that you can do anything and that you are in control of everything. Amen. He was basically saying, God, I trust you no matter what you do or don't do. My life and the future of your people is in your hands. This is a perspective that was reflected in Jesus when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane and he said, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. And what are you saying? I know you can do anything. I know at this very moment, you can rescue me from this fate. But he continued and he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, whatever the outcome, I trust you no matter what. I trust you no matter what. When Hezekiah prayed about the Assyrians, he probably never expected that God would answer by sending an angel in the Assyrian camp by night to kill the answer, to kill the enemy. But God answered. When he prayed for healing at the age of 39, God answered him, miraculously healing him and extending his life 15 years. He could have complained and said, Why just 15 years, God? Why not 50 more? But no, he trusted God. He trusted God. Hallelujah. When we have that kind of faith and we pray like that, We can be confident when God seems silent or even when it seems like God is not working or even when we see God working in a way that is not the way that we expect it. But we can have confidence that he loves us, that he hears us, and that he will answer us with what is best for us and for his glory. In the opening of our message, we talked about a couple in ministry that lost a baby. Remember the story? They lost a baby at the second sonogram and the doctor said there was no heartbeat and they were brokenhearted and they wondered, why didn't God hear our prayers? Well, I wanna finish that story. After a time of grieving, they started to pray again for a baby. And a few months later, they discovered that they were pregnant again. But this time, the doctor told them, you're going to have twins. (laughs) So the minister said, I don't know why God didn't answer our prayers the first time. But even though I don't have the answers, I trust him nonetheless. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We too must have faith to trust that even when his answer does not come as we expected or in the way that we expected, that he loves us, that he is the only wise God, he knows what he is doing, and the answer he gives, even if the answer is no or the answer is not now, whatever answer he gives, is the answer that is best for us. The Bible tells us that God always, when? Always Always hears the cry of the righteous. If you're living right, you can be confident that God always hears your prayers. So as a child of God, If you're living a God-honoring life, if you're living close to him, sticking to him like Hezekiah stuck to him, you can be confident that your prayers are never in vain. God hears your cry. And he is working on your behalf. Amen? But the first step to having the confidence that God hears us when we pray is to have a relationship with God. You see, we are all sinners, and sin has broken our relationship with God. It has cut us off from God. And that's the whole reason that Jesus came from heaven to earth, lived a sinless life, and offered his sinless life on the cross to take our place and suffer the penalty for sin that we deserve. And so now, when we place our faith in Jesus as our Savior and repent of our sins, and the word repent simply means to turn away from. We recognize we've been heading in the wrong direction. We turn away from that life, and we say, Lord, forgive me, I don't want to live that way anymore. I turn to you in faith. The moment that we do that, the Bible says that we're born again. We are born as a child of God. We are brought into right relationship with God, and then we have the confidence to know that when we pray, he will hear and answer us. I'd like you to bow your heads with me. If there's anyone here that you have not yet placed your faith in Jesus or repented of your sins, or maybe you did so several years ago and you've drifted away and you can feel the Lord pulling at your heart saying, it's time to come back if you fit into either of those categories and you would say, pray for me, Pastor. I want to come to Jesus or I wanna come back to Jesus. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up and you can put it right back down. Pray for me, Pastor, I wanna come to Jesus or I wanna come back to Jesus. Is there anyone? Amen. Praise the Lord. I don't see anyone in person, but I'm gonna pray the prayer just in case there's someone listening to us online. Would you pray this prayer with me? And church, you prayed along with me to encourage anyone who may be praying it. Precious Lord, I believe that you love me so much that you died for my sins. Today, I repent. I turn away from my sinful life, and I turn to you in faith. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins, and I invite you to come live inside of me and help me from this day forward to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I want to be the first to congratulate you on making the best decision of your life and welcome you to the family of God. If you just prayed that prayer in person, if you would text your email address to the number on the screen or online, type your email address in the comments. We would like to send you free of charge a little booklet that helps you to understand the prayer you just prayed and the next steps to take to continue to grow in your relationship with the Lord because that prayer was a beginning, not an ending. And we want to help you to grow in your relationship with the Lord. So if you would do that right now, if you're in-house and you prayed that prayer, you can just text your email address to the number on the screen, or online, you can type your email address in the comments, and we will send you this little booklet free of charge. But once again, congratulations. Amen. For those of us who have already trusted Christ as our Savior, what have you been praying about that God has not seemed to hear or answer? Why don't we start? If we've not been getting the answer, let's start with, with clearing out any blockages that might be there. So the first thing we can start with is to say, God, search my heart and show me if there's anything in my life, any sin, any attitude, thought, anything, anything that is blocking my relationship with you and then surrender that to him. Pray if there's any unbelief or doubt in your heart. Bring that to the Lord and say, God, I'm struggling. I'm struggling to believe. I'm struggling to trust you. I'm struggling with doubt. I need your help. Just like the father of the demon-possessed boy, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. God welcomes when you bring that to him. Amen. And once you do that, then let's commit to live close to God, to stick to God like glue, just like Hezekiah did. And let's come before the Lord in brokenness and humility with whatever the need, whatever the problem, whatever the sickness, and say, Lord, I can't, but I'm trusting that you can. I put it before you. I surrender it to you. I am your child, so this is your problem. I give it to you, and I trust you to work on my behalf. So this morning, if you have been struggling with praying a prayer, and you've been praying and praying and praying, and it doesn't seem to be answered, I want to encourage you to come to the altar right now, and I've just outlined for you what to do to remove any blockages or to break through with the way that we're living and seeking God. So would you just come to the altar and spend a few moments in prayer before the Lord on this topic, on this vein of what we just described. And I I will pray over us at that moment. Anybody struggling with a prayer that has not been answered, just make your way to the altar. There's nothing to be embarrassed or afraid of. We all have these times in our life where we pray and we pray and we pray and it doesn't seem like the answer is coming. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You just talk to God from your heart. He wants to hear your voice. He wants to hear your heart. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for all of these standing at this altar. I thank you, Lord, for their openness to hear and receive your word this morning. I thank you for their humility in coming to this altar and say, God, I'm struggling with this. And Lord, as we stand before you right now, we ask that you would search our hearts, Lord God, if there's anything in us that is blocking you from hearing our prayers. Show it to us right now by the Holy Spirit. And as you do, may we repent of it and surrender it to you. And Father, if if there's unbelief in our hearts, if there's doubt in our hearts, if there are questions in our heart that is blocking our prayers, we bring that to you as well. and, And we say sometimes we struggle with our faith. Sometimes when we have waited and waited and waited, praying and believing, questions come in. Doubts come in. But we bring that to you as well this morning. And we say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I want to trust you. I want to have that complete confidence in you. Help me, Lord. And Father, as we stand before you this morning, we are committing To live close to you, to stick to you like glue the way that Hezekiah did. To just cultivate that close and intimate relationship and walk with you. And Lord, we come to you and we say, Lord, help us to trust you. To trust that you love us, to trust that you know what's best for us. So that even when you don't work the way we think you should work, we can be confident that however you're working, you're doing it for our good and for your glory. Help us to trust you for the right outcome, no matter what. We pray this in the strong and wonderful name of Jesus, and we pray that you would just encourage each and every heart at this altar, Lord, that they would continue to hold fast to you and persevere in faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.